And since I get the privilege of preaching and then baptizing until probably midnight, today you're going to get uh, to receive the word from one of our other incredibly gifted preachers. I'm so glad that we have a church with several gifted preachers. Anybody else glad because of that? And today, I've already heard, I've already read through this message, and I'm already fired up about it, all right? I haven't even heard him preach it yet, but I'm already fired up about it because I read it. So I want everybody to give our worship pastor, RJ, a big hand as he comes and shares the word today. Okay. Okay, stop. Stop. Just kidding. <laughs> no, but it's, um, it's exciting just to um, get the privilege to just share with you what God is speaking to me in my life. And it's always an honor from uh, that. Pastor Hunter would ask, trust me to just share with the church the people he's supposed to be shepherding with someone else um, just for one Sunday. And, um, you know, I'm just excited just to share with you what God has been speaking to me personally in my life. Um, and I love that about life, you know. I love life that God is in every single corner of your life. And all you got to do is just be aware be aware that God could speak to you in anything and everything um, that is going on in your life, even in the weirdest places and the weirdest times in your life and the weirdest things that you do, you know? God could speak to you and God is there. And, but it really is a matter of us noticing that God is present, you know? It's a matter of us listening to that voice in every corner of our life. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes we say we're at a dry season and I don't know where God is. You know, God is there. You just gotta realize that God could be revealing himself in a different way than you're used to. And when you're not used to something, it's hard for you to be accustomed to it, but you gotta try, you know? If you're trying some different, like, I don't know, some different dance move that you've never done before, which I'm sure many of you guys are dancers in here, you know, trying some new breakdance move doesn't just happen right away, but you got to practice. You got to be aware. You got to be intentional about that. And so, but for example, God gave me a life-changing revelation through a strange hobby of mine, okay? Maybe some of you guys could relate to this. Maybe some of you guys will think I'm weird, but a lot of my friends think I'm weird of uh, having this. Well, I didn't finish, but having this kind of hobby, okay? And the hobby that I have is I have a hobby of reminiscing, okay? I have a hobby of being nostalgic and just thinking and daydreaming about things that happened in the past. You know, I know that's weird, and maybe you've never thought of that as a hobby, but I've caught myself always thinking about what has happened in the past? And I just dwell on it, even if it's mainly the good things, you know, not the things that make me all sad and want to run away or stuff like that, but the things that are, have the good feels, you know, um, just making you all sentimental, or at least making me all sentimental to the point that I want to cry, but that's no big deal. But, and I legit started asking God, why am I like this? You know, I started asking this because a lot of my friends started just noticing, including my wife was saying like, you just love to remember these things. You just love to talk about the nostalgic things that has happened. And I'm like, yeah, I do. Like, I don't know why I'm, I'm naturally geared to that. And so I really started asking God, why in the world do I think this way? You know, and so I don't know about you, but m mostly God speaks to me through the Bible, you know. <laughs> he doesn't just speak to me in corners of my life, but when I read that Bible, God's voice is so evident, you know, and I just listen to that. And if you, uh, but if you don't, if, if, you know, where am I? Okay. But whenever I do read the Bible, I don't know about you, but 
so, there are some things, there are some moments that just kind of stick out like a sore thumb in, in, in the Bible. It's like, God is obviously speaking to me about something here. God is telling me I should not murder someone. You know, that is obvious. That is like in your face uh, kind of thing. But there are some moments where it is kind of like, Ugh, what is God trying to say there? I'm just going to read over it nonchalantly, just pass on through. It's like, whatever. That's not much of significance to me, you know. But even in those scriptures, God can and will eventually speak to you. Something, you know, something. And I don't know if you have those moments where it's just like I'm reading something over again and, and over again. And then you just all of a sudden have this revelation of a scripture that you've read nonchalantly over and over and over again. That's God. God reveals many things. And that's the beauty of reading the Bible constantly over and over and over again. And I encourage you guys, if you're not reading your Bible, I promise you, when you start incorporating the Bible into your life and reading it over and over, not just one time and be like, I'm done, I got the Bible. No, read it again, read it again, read it again. Years and years and years after, read it again because God can show and reveal himself in many ways you have never expected to hear and see from him, okay? So I encourage you, God doesn't only show up in one way, God is not one-dimensional. Dimen- he is not monotonous. He is not just a one-sided kind of God. He loves to reveal deeper parts of who he is in our life. So I want you guys just to be encouraged to keep reading. Keep reading. If you're not reading, pick it up and start today. You know, it, it's really good for you. And currently in my Bible reading, I'm in Exodus, which means I just finished Genesis, right? And that book has a lot of crazy stories in there if you haven't read that. Got the story from Adam and Eve all the way to like Noah and the flood, Abram and Sarah not being able to have kids, Jacob and all his crazy sons trying to kill Joseph, you know, all these fun things that you get to read and discover who God is, right? And one thing that really caught my attention recently when I was just reading Genesis, but even throughout the Bible when I really started thinking about it, is that the people in the Old Testament have this thing where they just build altars, you know? They just build these altars. And I knew that, you know? I knew they built altars, but that I didn't stop and think, why? You know, what in the world is this? Why is this significant to me? Why is, why is this in the Bible? If it wasn't important for me, why would it be in the Bible, you know? Everything in the Bible is important. So I started to think, why in the world do these people just automatically decide to build an altar after certain things, you know? And... and I, I really did wonder that because I was just like, if that was to happen, you know, like, I don't naturally think that they were planning to do that over and over again. There has to be a purpose on, on building an altar. And so through that, God spoke to me and, and helped me realize one word to focus on, and that is monuments, Okay, And that's why the title of this sermon is Monuments. And, and when I was just asking God, when I was trying to discover why altars were important, he just spoke monuments, you know? And I'm like, okay, what does that even mean? The definition of monument, you know, in, in the dictionary is a building, a structure, or a site that is of historical importance or interest, you know? Here in the U.S., we got a lot of those monuments, right? We got the Statue of Liberty. We are, and I, as I say these, I bet you're going to have images in your head. Statue of Liberty. We got the Washington Memorial. We got the Liberty Bell. We got Mount Rushmore, you know. We got the Lincoln Memorial. We have all these things that are significant to the history of the U.S., okay? I know this because I did take U.S. history, okay? <laughs> Thanks. 
But throughout the Bible, there are a ton of altars. I don't know if you know this, but altar this, altar that, altar blah, blah, blah. Not like altar, you know, your, your clothes or anything or the image, but an altar being built, you know. Those are the altars that are throughout the Bible. And I'm just going to give you a few examples, um, just kind of run right through that. And in, like, in your bulletin, there are the exact um, scriptures that if you want to just take a look and read that, that'd be uh, great. We're not going to go through those scriptures, but Genesis 8, Noah built an altar. Genesis 12, Abram built an altar. Exod, uh, Genesis 28, Jacob built an altar. Exodus 17, Moses built an altar. Judges 6, Gideon built an altar, and so on and so forth. Those are just a few altars that were mentioned in the Bible, and there are a ton more that you could find. And I started to really wonder why these altars, these monuments, were significant back then, okay? What was the purpose of it? And God said to me that altars were the result of something significant. So let me go back to those scriptures real quick. Noah didn't just build an altar. What happened before that? The flood happened. The flood receded. And they were able to get out. What happened to everybody that was not on that boat? They died. So that represented death to life. And God spared Noah. And so his response, I'm going to build an altar. Genesis 12, Abram didn't just build an altar. Realize his name is Abram. It wasn't Abraham. So it was before he truly encountered God. But God still moved in his life. That was the time that God spoke the promise of descendants in his life. And said, look up into the stars and see that there are so many descendants that are coming your way. And this is the promise that I'm going to hold true to you. And then Abram built an altar. Genesis 28, Jacob, the story of Jacob. Jacob had a very crazy, tough family situation. You know, his brother hated him, wanted to kill him. His mom was, um, that was his, he was his mom's favorite. He deceived his dad, all this fun stuff that all families go through sometimes, you know. But Jacob decided to run away. And so he had nothing. He was, and then he had this dream, remember, of the ladder. And, 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 and God showed up. And that was when he encountered God in, his, in the hardest times of his life where he was running away, right? And he, made, and, and, and he made an altar on the stone that he laid his head on. He propped it up and said, I'm building this as an altar because I'm in a hard place right now. This is an altar, right? Genesis, I mean, Exodus 17, Moses. Let's talk about Moses. The, in, in, in 17, God gave victory to Moses and, and his people, from the enemy, and his response, I'm building an altar, right? Judges 6, Gideon, who remembers that story? That was fun. Gideon saw the face of God, and when you see the face of God, you die, you know, because you're stepping into the most holy of holy places, but God said, don't be afraid, God was gracious to Gideon. God spared his life and said, this is okay, you know, and he built an altar, and, and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means peace, you know? So all of these things, I started realizing they had something in common. After seeing God move and show up, their automatic response was to build an altar. It wasn't, I'm just going to build something just because, you know, I don't naturally think when God touches my life, I'm like, ah, hallelujah, you know, oh, God just touched me. Hold on, guys. Let me just build something real quick, you know. I don't naturally think that way. I don't know about you, but if you get touched by God and you want to just naturally get built, uh, build something, you know, by all means, you do it. Build an altar for all of us, you know. But after seeing God, like, it shows that there, are, there is a purpose to the altar, 
And they, they were very intentional about it. They knew that when God did something, this altar has significance, you know? There has to be a reason for that, not just to sacrifice and offer things. You know, sometimes when we think of altar, we just think, let's take it to the altar. I'm going to bring here. We think of the story of, of Isaac being sacrificed, you know, bring him to the altar and, and kill him, whatever, but his promises and all of that stuff. We think of sacrifices. We think of offerings, but, but to, what God was meaning when altars were built, it was to remember, okay? And to remember what God has done. Noah had to remember that God saved him and his family from the flood. Abram had to remember the promise that God gave him. Gideon had to remember the graciousness of God by sparing his life. Monument means to remember, okay? And that's what God spoke to me, and I'm like, now I understand why altars are so important in the Bible. But so as a follower of Jesus... Why are monuments so important in our life? Let's read Joshua 22, verse 21 to 28. And this is another example of an altar, okay? Then the people of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh answered the head of the clans of Israel. The Lord, the mighty one, is God. The Lord, the mighty one, is God. He knows the truth, and may Israel know it too. We have not built the altar in treacherous rebellion against the Lord. If we have done so, do not spare our lives this day. Verse 23, if we have built an altar for ourselves to turn away from the Lord or to offer burnt offerings or grain offerings or peace offerings, may the Lord himself punish us. Remember that it's showing that the purpose of an altar. It wasn't just to sacrifice. It wasn't just to offer something. Verse 24, the truth is we have built this altar... And pay attention here, because we fear that in the future, your descendants will say to ours, what right do you have to worship the Lord, the God of Israel? We fear that in the future, we fear, I fear that in my future, I could potentially question to worship God. 25, the Lord has placed the Jordan River as a barrier between our people and you people of Reuben and Gad. You have no claim to the Lord. So your descendants may prevent our descendants from worshiping the Lord. Verse 26. So we decided to build. They decided. They weren't forced to. They decided to build the altar, not for burnt offerings or sacrifices, but as a memorial. It will remind our descendants and your descendants that we too have the right to worship the Lord at his sanctuary with our burnt offering sacrifices and peace offerings. Then your descendants will not be able to say to ours, you have no claim to the Lord. Verse 28, if they say this, our descendants can reply, look at this copy of the Lord's altar that our ancestors made. It is not for burnt offerings or sacrifices. It is a Reminder of the relationship both of us have with the Lord. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you will reveal the, the importance of monuments in our life. I pray, God, that you will open our hearts. Lord, that you will open our hearts to this word, Jesus, that it will not return void, God, but that this seed will, will, will grow in our, in our hearts and that we will, we will see fruit from this, fruit from why you're telling us to, to remember these things, God. We give it all to you in Jesus' name. 
Amen. So I have three points here on what monuments serve, you know, in our life. And so, number one, as we were reading this, one of the things that was sticking out was memorial, to remind, to remember. So monuments serve as a reminder of our relationship with God. Let me read verse 28 again. If you say this, our descendants can reply, look at the copy of the Lord's altar that our ancestors made. It is not for burnt offerings or sacrifices. It is a what? Reminder of the relationship both of us have with the Lord. These altars were not built just to be looked upon and admired. It was to remind us of who God was, okay? Monuments remind us what God did in order for us to see who God is, okay? Monuments remind us of what God did in order for us to see who God is. And sometimes when we don't see who God is, it's maybe we forget what, okay? What has to go before the who sometimes when we realize that who is this God that I worship, you know? Well, remember what he has done. Remember what he did, if anything, remember what he did on the cross for us. You know what I mean? Like, we got to remember these things. And so monuments remind us of what God did in order for us to see who God is. Monuments reveal the character of God. And this is a personal revelation you need to have that you need to understand and reve- get reve- um, have a revelation of the character of God in your life. In every aspect of your life, you know, every corner of your life, you need to be aware of the character of God. For example, he is my guide. He's my peace. He's my freedom. He's my comforter, my healer, my promise keeper. There are so many names that who Jesus is, who God is in our life. Are you aware of those? And so going back to the fact that I love to talk about memories and being nostalgic, you know, one one, uh, way I love to converse with people is through memories, you know. If If you've had that privilege, you know, it's not really privilege, I probably talk your ear off with memories that we share. Am I right? So um, the, I just think of times like when Aaron and Alex, when we were roommates, and they know this, I always kind of go to them, and I'm like, remember that time when we were roommates, and I pranked you guys like every day, and told you, <laughs> fun memories for me, maybe not for them, but I'm just kidding, but when I talk to people, I, th- I, I share, I, I do it through memories that I share with them, and I realize that that's because it helps me value the relationship that I have, you know? It helps me value who the, what we shared and the bond that we had. It brings hope to me that's saying, like, if we've gone through stuff like that or we've got this far, there's so much more we could do, you know, in our relationship. And so, um, and, and to love them more, you know, to love my friends more and to see them for who they really are, you know? The, just, just having those one-on-one conversations with people that I've had, you know, um, helps, helps me see things in a different perspective about them and about our relationship, okay? But, and that's the case that in order to remember, you know, it's the same with God. We got to remember what God has done, you know, in our life because that helps us value the relationship we have with God. It helps us realize and have hope that God is not done with us. It, it gives us, it gives us, a, a reason to love him more and to see more of the character of God. Do you see where I'm going with this? Uh, the um, monuments are so important. They serve as a, uh, as a reminder. But, so, in order to remember, though, 
we need to look at him, right? We need to look at Jesus. And let me just read real quick in Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And here's what I really want you to focus on. And let us run with what? Endurance. The race God has set before us. And what is a race? What's the purpose of a race? To finish. You know, you got to finish. Did someone say to win? We know what you want. <laughs> I know. My mind automatically is to win, but I knew that was the wrong answer. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that was a test, and I failed. Okay, so. <laughs> and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Verse 2. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. But let me tell you something. Sometimes some of us here are going through things in our life and we feel like I'm at this, I'm at rock bottom, I'm at a dark pit, I can't get out of depression, I can't get out of this addiction, I can't get out of all this stuff, but you know, you've been walking with the Lord for quite some time and then all of a sudden you just think nothing is happening right, nothing is right. But let me tell you, what God spoke to me is that we backslide because we take our eyes off of Jesus but not, no, 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 let me, let me tell you here, like, not just, oh, I'm going to look to Jesus in the future, I'm going to look to him in the present, but we forget what God has done in our life, and that is, a, that is one way we get to look at Jesus, not just forward to move forward or to be like, God, you're here, but God, you were there. You were there, and this is where I am now. And that's why people backslide. That's why people fall so high and just come crashing down because they forget we forget what God has done in our life. We cannot risk forgetting these things. And some of us are stuck. And I want you to realize, you just need to look back. You just need to look back. In order to move forward, we need to look back. If you want to get over this trial in your life, you got to look back and realize what God has done. And, and realize and take what God is do, has done in your life and push you forward to the next season of your life. But maybe you say, you don't have much to look at. I just accepted the Lord yesterday. I just, you know, been walking with him just a few months and nothing tragic or crazy has happened in my life, you know. Maybe that's you right now. But let me tell you, the decision you made with God that is the biggest monument you could hold on to. If you can't have anything else to look back of, look at the cross and realize what Jesus has done for you and why you decided to follow him. Why you decided to die to yourself and allow life to come out of you because of what Jesus did on the cross. That is one monument you could go back to, okay? The cross is the monument of when you died and received life. You know, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. That's what Jesus did. And maybe you just really can't see God in other things, but you know, I can assure you, you can see God there. You can see God there. Let him remind you of all the other things that he has done in your life. And when you just look at the cross, when you just look at what he did, 
Sometimes when I read, keep your eyes on Jesus, I only think of what's ahead. But I had this revelation, you know, that I'm like, and God convicted me about that. It's like my perspective of what they mean when they sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus, you know. I had this perspective of just looking at him where I'm at, you know. And like I said earlier, we got to look back. But the revelation that looking back and finding Jesus in the past is what will help me see him in the, in the past and in the future, okay. And let me read to you Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same when? Yesterday, today, and forever. And God revealed to me, I've read that verse so many times, and I'm like, okay, that just means God's the same, you know? But God, God like, revealed to me the word yesterday. Yesterday. If he's the same today... And the same yesterday, that means he is yesterday. Does that make sense? That that's not a closed door. That's not God moved here and now he's done. No, God is still moving there. And that's why when we look back at the altar, God is like, woo, hello, I'm over here. You know, it's not like a memory photo of just like still, he's moving. God is moving in your past. And that helps us move forward. Amen. Ah. Sorry you have to see that. <laughs> Great dance moves, right? So. God is not limited by our understanding of time. Okay? Like this, like yesterday, today, and forever, that's for us to understand, okay? But God is not limited by the way we understand time, right? He is present in the past, and he's in the past, he still is. Is is being current. Is 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 is. You know, <laughs> I don't know what the best way to put it, but is is is. You know, is wasn't was. Is is. You know, and and he is. Yeah, and that's what he means when he says, "I tell him I am." Tell him I am. And when you realize that God is yesterday. As the same today and tomorrow, you're going to realize God is there. God is moving there, okay? His power is still real as it was in the past, and it's still working. So don't disregard the things that you have gone through or what God is taking you out of. Or what God has done on the cross, because you know, is a cross. If God only worked at the cross, then there's no power for us now, you know. But if He's currently working and having that power flow through what He did on the cross, that's what's happening now, and why we can move forward in the things in our life. Amen. So, also, when we remember, it helps us stay humble too. We need to remember who and where we were without God. Some of us here are in such a high horse. You know, I've been there. And God, like, kicks me off of that. And it's like, ah, you know, I'd rather not be, you know, I'd rather not have the rock fall on me. I'd rather, you know, the house has that in the Bible. Like, but so, when we are prideful, it's because we forget. We forget what God has done in our life. You know, and, and I've heard someone say to me, I've seen more godly men and women fall from success as opposed to failure because they forget what God took them out of. 
So if maybe some of us, the reason why we forget too is because we get prideful. We need to lay that down because pride is a blinder when it comes to remembering the things that God has done in our life. How many of us are in, in here, you know, you don't have to raise your hand, but if you want to be open and vulnerable, like, <laughs> like me, I'll be the first one to say, like, it's going through something tough in your life. Maybe you've just gone through something hard. You know, maybe someone, someone's sick. Maybe there's a relationship kind of thing. Maybe it was just discouragement or you're, you feel stuck or stuff like that. I want you to realize that monuments, and we're going straight to uh, point number two, that monuments build up our faith as well. So I want you to believe that when you're feeling stuck, when you're feeling low, when you're feeling in this place that you can't handle, you got to go to those monuments in your life, you know? And that also not only reminds you of your relationship with God, but monuments build up our faith. Faith for what? Faith to not give up? To believe that I can get through this? That God is with me through the fire? Like the song we just sang? God is there? Maybe we're so discouraged and we're so blinded because... We, we're too caught up in fear and too caught up in, in hurt and too caught up in depression or too caught up in expectations of our life and how we're supposed to live and how God's supposed to move. We need to realize that if we don't look back in those monuments, our faith is going to start to crumble. And I'm not saying monuments only serve the exact trial you're going through because sometimes you're going through something that you've never went through. So how in the world would this monument that helped me, you know, stop saying bad words get me over the sickness in my life? You know, like how us naturally could think that way, you know, but I'm not saying those monuments are the only relate to the things that you're going through now as you did in the past, you um, like, for example, if you didn't know this, but, like, in five weeks, I'm officially going to be a dad, you know? So. And let me tell you, I've never had a first child before, you know? I think many people only have one first child, you know? Does that make sense? And, and I've, you know, um, I'm just, like, it, it, it's crazy, you know, my, my wife is about to pop with our beautiful baby girl, Taya Grace, you know, so we're, I'm just so excited about that. We're so excited, but you know what? We also have no idea what we're getting ourselves into, and, and, and some of you parents here who have remember your first kid, it's like, this is awesome, and then I'm hearing stories of, this sucks, you know, it's like, I'm scared, and so I'm like, I don't know, I'm a little conflicted. What's going on? <laughs> so, you know, like, but, so I've never had this situation where I'm just like, okay, I know where to look back in in my life because, you know, that's going to help me get through this first child thing. I've never had a monument about that, you know? But I look back and things in my life that God has gotten me through, you know, I've never moved across the country before and I did. And God showed up. And so I could use that and realize if something new for the first time is happening, God's faithful. Why can't he do this here? He's not just faithful because you're moving. You know, it's like faithful because he's faithful. You know, not because of the things that I'm doing. You know, it's about him. And so that's good. that kind of perspective 
on monuments is going to help you move forward and push forward, okay? But let me tell you, the enemy's goal is to what? To steal, kill, and destroy. He's there. He will use trials, temptations, lies, discouragement, sickness, addiction, you know, to stop you from seeing God in this season. He's going to use whatever it takes to destroy your life. But you know one thing that he will also try to destroy? Your monuments. He's going to try to make you forget. Because if you forget, it's over. Don't think you're going to be able to move forward because God is moving there. You know what I mean? So the enemy's goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. But the only way we are protected from any kind of thing from the enemy, you know, and we know this, is to wear the armor of God. Okay? So I just want to read this scripture to you. Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, right? Just imagine that. Putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness, right? For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all this, and this is the one that really stuck out to me. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. We'll go back to that. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 16 really stuck out to me when it comes to faith. You know, it's like we're getting all these images and stuff like that. But um, the shield had a purpose against the work of the enemy as well. It wasn't just to protect, you know, a body part. It was to protect our whole being. Okay? And that shield is something that you not just put on yourself, you got to hold, right? And so when you hold on to faith, that's the most powerful thing that could protect you from the fiery arrows. Notice that that's the only part of it that talks about something that the enemy is throwing at you, and the only thing that could stop it is the shield of faith. And when you're going through trials, those are the arrows, boom, sickness, boom, you know? Lies, boom, a death in the family, boom, a broken relationship, boom, depression, stuff like that. And if your, your, your shield is not up, what happens? You're an open target, right? He will attack your faith, which is a shield, right? He will attack your faith so he can make you vulnerable, right? And he does this by knocking down the monuments in our lives, right? So, when you lose faith, it isn't just because you lost faith. It's because you forgot. Because you forgot. 
Lord, I can't get through this depression. I can't get through this trial in my life. But yet, God has done wonderful things in your life before. God, I just don't see you here. I don't see you here. I don't see you here. Look behind you. God's there. God was there. And God is there. And when the enemy can destroy your monument in your life, you're going to lose faith. And then you're going to lose God in your life. We've got to realize the enemy is so sneaky. He doesn't just throw things at us. He throws things at the past. He's like, oh, enemy, you missed, you know, but his purpose was to destroy something, you know? Just because it's not hitting you directly doesn't mean it's not hitting something. So when you have to constantly look back and tend to it, it's like, oh, no, I'm forgetting this. This got hurt a little bit. I got to remember what God has done in my life and pick back up the altars in my life. Some of us are letting that altar be broken. Some of us are letting that altar be buried in our life. But build it back up by remembering the goodness of God back in your life and what he did. We've got to do that. If you want to see God move now, you got to see how God moved then. And I know some of us are going through trials, you know. Relate this to yourself in your life. And take serious of this. Because this is between you and God. This is, I have no responsibility except to share with you what God is saying. And you have the responsibility to be looking back and remembering these things. I'm just here to remind you to be doing that. To let you know that that is so important in your life. Because if not, that's why sometimes we fall. And why we forget, okay? Without faith, your shield, you're an open target and unprotected. So we got to protect our faith by protecting our monuments. Okay? And when the enemy attacks your faith, you will either question who God is or remember who God is. When he attacks our faith, you will either question who God is or remember who God is. God, are you really good? God, are you really going to get me through this? Remember who God is. Don't go based off of the circumstance in your life and think, why is my family not being healed from this sickness? Why am I struggling with this sickness in my life? Why, God? Why? Why? It's not about why. It's about who. Even though I'm going through this, remember, even if he doesn't, we are not going to bow down to this world. We are not going to bow down to the enemy. Even if God doesn't do it the way we expect him to do it. Because who are we to say God should do it the way we want it to anyways, you know? Because God, you know, is our healer, but Jackie is still believing for healing. And if God, if she stopped believing that, okay, God, you said you're my healer. I expect you to do this. And because you're not, I'm not going to worship you anymore. No, we're going to continue to worship God. And so the things that you're going through, God may not be fulfilling a promise, but it's a promise. And God is a promise keeper. Okay? So do not be discouraged on the now. Be encouraged because of who God is based off of what you've seen and bring it into your life.
You will either question who God is or remember who God is. I want to remember. I want to remember who God is. It's okay if I'm a little vulnerable today. No? Did someone say no? I'm just kidding. (laughs) Dang it. Just kidding. So the reason why I felt that this is important to talk about is because of all the things that I'm currently going through in my life, you know? Trials myself and, oh, man, like, we're just going through things, you know? And he leads us in worship, you know? I do. I do go through things, you know, but I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. You know, we're all going through things. But, I like, remember how I said that in a few weeks I'm going to be a dad, right? And so I'm going through a trial right now, like, in my life where I'm just battling fear, you know? I'm battling, like, provision in my life. But God is still moving, you know? Um, I struggle with anxiety and, and loneliness and at times sometimes depression because of all of that and it, it gets hard sometimes you know and but I just wanted to I was trying to see why like I'm trying to embrace where I'm at right now and when I first found out that we were pregnant obviously that's always fun and it's always fun it's like guess what here, look, I'm pregnant. I don't want to touch that, you know. I'll look at it, you know. <laughs> I'm pregnant. And, you know, some people, like most people, like, woo, or something. And, and the, the guy would, you know, comfort the wife and be like, everything's going to be fine. I'm going to provide. Let me just show you a picture of the day that I found out that we were pregnant. I don't know if you could see. I don't think that's right. <laughs> Can we dim the lights just so y'all can see my face in there? It's like kind of embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, where the husband's supposed to be comforting the wife, you know? We're there. And Becca's like, it's okay. You're going to make it. <laughs> and I'm over there. Ah. Yeah. And that's not, that's not the, okay, we were at Nukes, and I'm like, where did this picture even come from? I just see, like, click, you know. I'm like, why? Why? We got to remember this. I'm like, stop. Uh. And so right now, that's not. You know, it's not regret. That's not crying of regret or any or fear, or whatever. It's just a lot of emotion. You know, I'm very emotional. I'll be, I'll admit that. I'm very sensitive. But um, <laughs> when I look back at that picture, I just remember, like, because of already the things that I'm going through, fear, um, lack of provision, feeling alone, feeling unworthy, feeling insecure. You know, and these are, honestly, I'm not just saying things. These are things that I'm going through right now, you know. And I have a choice what to do with that, you know, and how to battle that. And although I'm going through that now, God showed me that I have to start looking at these uh, momentum, the monuments for a reason, you know. It's because I remember who God is. Like I said, I've never experienced having a child for the first time, right. So, ready or not, here we come. And I remember who God is. I have faith that God has never failed. So, why should he start now? So, I want to share with you some, moment, um, some monuments. I keep saying momentums. I think there's momentum in this place. 
I want to share with you some monuments in my life that helped me get through things like this and what's helping me get through today, okay? The first one is our first encounter. This was the first encounter Hunter and Liz have ever done in the U.S., and I was privileged to be one of the first, you know, to be part of it. And this is like the big group. There's four people in here that you may recognize or may not because we look so different. First of all, let's show a picture of where I am at. Yep. That's me. That's me. What a sad little kid. You have no idea what's ahead. <laughs> but yeah, well, look. You want to see Hunter and Liz? Yeah. <laughs> Haven't aged a bit. <laughs> Robert was also in here. <laughs> He's not in here. Throwing him under the bus. Uh, can we go back to the bigger picture of the... Okay. So when I look at this picture, this is a monument in my life because that was the time when I was 17 years old, 2008, in April. Okay, I remember. That's when God really touched my life and showed me that there is hope for me. That I can get you out of those things that you're struggling with. That I can heal your heart. And I remember, I look back and I value what God has done in my life, you know? And that was the time where I truly gave God my heart, and I became radically wrecked for him, you know? And now I look back, and I'm just like, I had no idea this is where I would be today, you know? Just because I made that one decision to give my whole life to God, that changed the course of my life. I have another one. is when I graduated college. And... Pastor Julian and Pastor Liz, we graduated the same year, except Julian has to be an overachiever and get an MBA, so whatever. <laughs> and we're over here just getting our bachelors, you know. Liz is like, I'm done with general studies. <laughs> hey, you finished. It's a, it's a degree. Good job. Good job. <laughs> no, but... Um, I look at this because this is 2013. And from the time where I made, gave God my life up to the time I just finished college, and this was moments before we discovered we're going to be moving to Georgia, okay? God has worked so much in my life in my college career. If you didn't know that not only do I do the worship portion, but I have a heart for the college ministry, and it's because of what God has done in my life through college. And realizing that when someone pours into your life, you learn what it means to follow God you learn to hear the voice of God. You learn to commit to Jesus and to reject the things of this world, to follow in holiness for God. And that's what I learned. And so much more, going through so, much, uh, so many trials, even with personal family stuff and hurts and healing and all of that, God showed up. God showed up and God was faithful. And I look at this time, I'm like, wow, I'm done with college. It's not the fact that I graduated college, although that is amazing. You know, graduation is great. But what matters more for me was the journey that I had in college and how my life has changed. And so I look back in that and I remember how good God is. So I have another one, which is actually the day we were moving. And that's me and Alex right there. We were the first people to leave New Mexico. 
and I think about this because God is faithful. It's like how crazy it is to just leave everything, to leave family, to leave things that we learned. You know, we've stuffed as much as we can in this tiny car. <laughs> Most of it was taken because of this giant, like, piano that I had. <laughs> Remember that? Couldn't fit anything else, so we had nothing in our apartment. But anyways, but that just reminds me of the time where I, we made that decision that I want to obey the Lord. I want to obey and see what God is doing, you know, and also trust that God's, I could trust God that he could bring provision in my life where I have no income anyways. I did get a job at Starbucks, so, so. <laughs> minimum wage, that was awesome, so. But mainly it was the fact that I do hear the voice of God and that through obedience, God shows up. And this part also reminds me of the time where Becca and I, like, broke up. And that was the hardest time. And I look at this picture because God shows redemption. And healing. And I look at this. And I just am so appreciative of God and what he's taken us out of. And we've gone through so much of two years of stress and, and hurt, but we both knew that God called us here, that we had to he deal with the fact that we weren't getting married. But when I look at this, I just remember how faithful God's grace his restoration. And even in that time, and, and when I look of now, before we got even pregnant, we're doing the college ministry. We've had jobs, and we decided to drop that. And where I'll be honest, we're not financially where we need to be in general, but we knew that God wanted us to do this. And so I have a picture of us just some results. Do we have that one? The motion one? It's okay. Don't worry. Just imagine this is what I was doing. So just pretend that that's the picture, okay? Anyways, so we're doing that, but I, I think of this thing where God is faithful in what we're doing as well, like through the college ministry that we've given up a lot of things. And just realizing that stepping into full-time ministry, where'd this come from? Oh, thank you. <laughs> the Lord, the glory of God. He is faithful, you guys. <laughs> the, the angels are protecting me. Okay. But anyway, so stepping, we have this picture of our motion team, you know. We have, um, you may know some of them. We have Jordan. Oh, yeah, so we got Danielle, Jordan, and Isaac, and so we went to this motion conference, but that was just a revelation that, like, we, they gave us a card that says, can you believe we get to do this? And God reminds me that it's a privilege to be, like, to step out in faith and to be used by God, and, and I see that even though we don't have the funds that we need yet, amen, 
and that we don't have all the wisdom in the world or the direction in the world. We know God is faithful. We know God has never failed us before. Why should he start now? And so that's why, if you want to go back to that prego pick, that's why, <laughs> that is why, even though I'm like overwhelmed with emotion, in those moments I know and I remember all those things that God has done in my life. And I stand here today letting you know that I have faith that God is going to make Becca and I great parents for a beautiful girl to see us step out in faith and for her to experience us living by faith and not by fear and living according to God's word and remembering these things. And we built these altars not only for ourselves but for our little girl to see God is faithful in them. Why can't he be faithful in my life? And so we are stepping, we're pushing her into the right direction. We are setting a legacy in our life. And so when you make these monuments, it says for the future generations, it's not just you, but it's for the people who come after you. To realize that God is good and God will never fail you. You may be going through something hard right now, but take your eyes off of yourself and put it to the past of what God has done and let that encourage you and push you forward. And so for the last point, that's really quick. Because of all this, if remembering is the what and the who, remember, we remember God because of what he's done and that reveals who he is. This is the why. Monuments lead us to worship the Lord. The enemy's goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. And one way he destroys us is if we stop worshiping our God. If we stop praising him because of who he is, not because of what he's done, but mainly and only because of who God is. Look, the enemy will discourage you when things don't go according to your plan but it's okay. I promise you. We really honestly didn't plan to get pregnant, you know? God told me to put this on the altar a month before we found out. And God, God's like, trust me, like, because we felt like this isn't the right time. I can't do this. We don't have the funds. And God's like, I need you to die to that. Die to it. A month later, we found out we're pregnant. God's funny, you know? But God wants obedience. God wants obedience. But let me tell you, it really is okay when things don't go according to the plan. I promise. Because God won't fail you. God won't fa Can you say that to yourself? God won't fail me. God won't fail me. And do you believe that today, that God won't fail you? It won't always be how we'd want it or expect it. But God knows better. So lay those things down. Lay those expectations down. Lay those dreams down. Lay those desires down, the ambition down, whatever it is that's stopping you. Lay it down and let God just be him in your life. Regardless, God is good, right? Because my current circumstance does not change God's character. You may be going through a trial, but God stands firm. God is who he says he is, not based off of what you're going through, but because of based off of who he says he is. And you need to realize that. We need to realize that. So as I end, 
I want to encourage you, if we could have the worship team could come up just to be ready for this. But remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Shadrach, Meshach, and the billy goat. It's VeggieTales. Let me read a scripture in Daniel 3, 18. And this is, will help you just worship God for who he is. But even if he doesn't, you know, the story where God was showing up. I mean, well, well, their God, that they wanted them to worship their God and to bow down to this gold statue and all that and said, anyone who doesn't is going to be thrown into the furnace. But they said, we're never going to bow down. We're never going to worship this God that you told us to. But they knew God in a different way than most of us. And we stopped there and we're just saying, I know God's going to do this. I know God's going to pull through the way I expect him to. But I find this interesting where they're like, but even if he doesn't, even if you don't see that healing you need, even if you don't see that relationship restored, even if you don't see the things that you expect it to be like, we want to make it clear to you we're speaking to the world and we're speaking to the devil, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. And that, when we look at the monuments in our life, we've got to commit to say, I am never going to bow down to the things of this world and I'm going to worship you, God, even though, even maybe, you may not show up the way I expect you to. You deserve all praise and glory. This is something I just wrote that I want you to just kind of declare over your life. And this is speaking to the devil. Devil, I will never stop remembering what God has done and believing that God will not fail me. And because of that, I will never stop worshiping God. I will never stop remembering I will never stop believing that God will not fail me. And I will never stop worshiping God, no matter what happens. While we all stand to our feet.